Hello people, welcome to the When in Yorkshire podcast. I hope you're all as well as can be and you're getting by with whatever social restrictions are in place where you are. Um, In the UK, we just had our first audience attended live gig since lockdown um, started and this took place um, with Sean McGowan, who's a previous guest. He performed to a drive-in audience of around 80 cars, I think it was. Um, which does sound a little bit strange, but it, it looked like a lot of fun and, you know, it's, it's a genuinely unique experience at this point. Um, there have, however, been lots of announcements um, for social distance gigs with the likes of Skindred, The Streets, um, Ash and Yorkshire's own Embrace and the Kaiser Chiefs. So do check out for listings for anything happening near you. This is episode 41 and features TJ McFall of the Barstool Preachers. Now, if you're not aware of their work, they kind of fit somewhere in the punk and ska genres. Um, Really catchy melodies and lyrics um, that have very witty observations and some very poignant social commentary as well. Definitely worth 30 minutes of your time, even if that's a gamble for you. I'd recommend it. Do it now. Um, We met at The Lantern in Halifax, and this was my first visit to this venue. Um, It was great. I, I... great feel to the venue i'd love to see more shows there as and when that becomes a thing and um, we chatted whilst sound check was starting you might hear that in the background a bit um, and tj spoke openly about his experiences in the music industry and um, music that shaped him um, and the band um, and as well as a, a good chat about brexit and the importance of inclusion unity and, and, and understanding i think that's probably plenty from me um, yes, I'll let you get on with it. This is episode 41 with TJ McFall. I'm here with Tom and Goose from Bastel Preachers. You are indeed. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Cold. It Cold. is freezing. Yes, welcome to the classic Yorkshire, uh, I'd say winter slash spring. Not full Banging. Yorkshire, not full uh, winter. We're, but We're here in the heart of Halifax, which I've been told is the Yorkshire Riviera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so this is as warm as it gets for this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> we drove past a place that was 75p entrance and 75p a drink. I don't think anyone cares about the weather, to be honest. True, true. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep you indoors. <laughs> um, cool. So, yeah, welcome to Yorkshire. Thank you very um, much. Uh, and to you, Goose. Yeah. Cheers, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys have been uh, been on tour all over the place at the moment. We have, um, we have. And recently you were, you were in Leeds at the Brudenell Social Club. We were on our last little jaunt around the UK. We love mm-hmm. to, uh, to go see our mates in Leeds. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much for coming back on behalf of all of Yorkshire. <laughs> I love how you can speak <laughs> yeah. for the whole of Yorkshire. Yeah, we did a, uh, a little vote and I'm alright to do that. That's the only <laughs> sentence I'm allowed to say. But <laughs> welcome. Yeah, yeah. yeah Thank welcome. Thank you. On behalf of everyone from the South, we feel welcome. <laughs> excellent. So, what I want to uh, get a, a, um, an understanding of with you guys is kind of how you kind of got into music, how it was introduced to you, like way, way, way back. Cool. So what I like to start with is, can you think of your earliest, earliest memory, like car music as a kid, or what the first song is that you connected with? Oh man, that's a really tough one. Um, I grew up in an incredibly musical family, uh, and music was something that was always prevalent for yeah. us like, throughout our growing up. I remember being three or four years old and having squeeze, you know, on the CD, right. or we would uh, we would listen to invariably at the time because I had two older sisters. We were listening to things like Green Day and The Offspring. Yeah. Um, one particularly poignant memory I remember: my dad sat me down and, and said, "This is part of your education. You'll sit here for a few hours and you'll damn well listen." And um, played Led Zeppelin one to four. 
And as soon as it finished, wow. I turned around and said to him, can we can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. And then we did it all again, uh, one to four again. That's so I don't know if I remember the earliest time I was exposed to music. Growing up, as I say, in a, in a family that's mm. just got a musical backbone it's kind of hard to, to pull yeah. apart so normally I kind of have to, to dig it out of people but yeah as far as I'm aware your dad was quite prevalent in the in the uh, music scene yeah absolutely right? the old boys in a, a punk band called Cox Barra and they were really active uh, they got together in 72 I think at school um, and they were one of the first wave of, of punk bands so you know played alongside the greats like the Clash yeah. and yeah, well, everyone from that little that time really. Wow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Grew up with so him. yeah, you're in good company then. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I learned a lot from him. You know, staring up at a stage from six, seven years old, or or even now, you know, bouncing ideas off him for new album yeah. and the lyrics and all that sort of stuff. It's it's brilliant to have that input from um, from not just a great musician, but one of my best friends. Yeah, nice. And that, and how does that kind of does it? I assume that he absolutely loves the fact that you bounce ideas off him. <laughs> That's just a dream, really, isn't it? He, do, he does. He does get very proud. Yeah. I mean, the best thing about it all is, is he never pushed um, for any of his kids to do anything. Really, my parents were just really open and supportive. Mum's incredible, uh, and they both just kind of let us get on with whatever we wanted to do. I think he was a little bit more relieved than anything that <laughs> that one of his kids went into music. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, he's very helpful and. and it's a good bonding experience to have that that shared passion. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How about you, Goose? I lived a life of, life of silence <laughs> many a year. <laughs> like a monk. <laughs> like a monk, yeah, yeah. No music ended my ears, except the sounds of chanting. <laughs> this is no, all no. making sense now. <laughs> and then ACDC came along. You actually don't like, do you? So, yeah, yeah. Nah, I I know I I came to the world of rock and roll through records. Yeah, found all my dad's old records and just listened. What sort of, had, what was what was in that collection? Oh, there was cool stuff. Bit of Joy Division. He was a lot into the post punk side of things. Yeah. So Joy Division, Killing Joke, and nice. And then nice. who else did I find in there? Peter Tosh. That sent me on a different wave of yeah vibrations. <laughs> I'll call it vi- I'll call it vibrations yeah I'm still smoking them now <laughs> but no yeah it was good it's just three records and I went to school mum said do you want to do guitar lessons or something so I said yeah and then my guitar teacher he was the Don he sort of really kind of yeah. got me into you know as you know a guitarist go everyone knows the classics don't they yeah. so it's more of an education going into like Jack Black doing a rock and roll 101 you kind of got to know who you're playing up against yeah you know? yeah it's really cool no, so I had the when I, I I've had guitar lessons when I was I think probably about seven seven eight and my god it was painful it was it, the, even looking back I've still got the book just because I remember my uncle looking at it going well this is ridiculous it was it was you know two two inches thick and it was pure classical. And I was just, they, that's not what a seven, a seven so eight, nine, it, it, just yeah. come on. To engage with it like that. Yeah. I mean, I had a, a bad one. My parents said to me, you can pick any instrument you want and being a little shit, I turned around and said, I want to learn the euphonium. <laughs> so at the age of seven or eight, there was me. And in our family, you know, if you want something, you work for it. And yeah. if you play an instrument, you carry your instrument. So that was me, <laughs> three foot nothing with an instrument that was three foot five, walking to school every day in East London, dragging this fucking thing behind me. I was never any good at it. 
<laughs> you really had to work for it. I like. did, I did. That's good. Work for that disappointment at a young age. <laughs> <laughs> Provide you all the setting you need to be a, you know, a blooming punk star. I could just, I could just do it. Goose is going to go to sign off. sign off. Goose is signing off. See you, Goose. Enjoy your sound check. Pleasure. Yeah, that, that sounds like that would have been hilarious for your parents, though. It's just like, yeah, you want to learn that? This is yeah. going to be amazing. Exactly. Just going to watch you do this. Exactly. Yeah. They they were yeah evil bastards. Some, <laughs> some might say. Excellent. So, in terms of the gigs, then, what what was the first gig that you that you remember going to? I remember being at a lot of punk shows when I was younger. Like I said, it was a bit of a rite yeah. of passage for our family and our scene. Um, I think the first real gig and consequentially the first real disappointment of my young life was seeing Offspring at Wembley. Okay. And yeah, we'd yeah. been listening to, I think it was Ixnay and we were listening to Ixnay on repeat yeah. in the car and we were all really excited to go and yeah. went with my two older sisters and, and got there and Dexter Hollis can't sing at all. Let alone, you know, the, the high notes in yeah. the big stadium. And we would, I just remember leaving there thinking, this isn't my experience of live music so far. This is a complete bust. Like, how yeah, are all yeah. these people, you know, doing it? And then, um, carried on going at the punk shows, obviously, but then at the age of 14, 15, started going out and, and exploring for yourself, you know, 12 bar club and so Yeah, and, yeah. You know, venturing out into the Astoria and Brixton, all that sort of stuff before, uh, before I started gutting our music industry. Yeah, absolutely. Now they're just shells. It's it hard. Is. It, it is. is hard. It's, it's nice to see that some are being rescued by the, the is it the venue, the music venue trust? Yeah. So there's a few that are being kept under close watch, but definitely overall it's, it's a sad state of affairs. It really is. I think it's retreated to the point where you've only now got, <coughs> excuse me, the last few bastions of, of real, real DIY venues, yeah. like the Hairy Dog in Derby or the Parish in Huddersfield. Yeah, or, you know, great. Mikey's doing a great Mikey's job. Mikey's fantastic. Holding that we up. love Mikey. We can't wait to go back to the Parish. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's sort of shrunk right down to to either these big O2 arenas, which are, are fifteen pounds a beer and twenty five percent out of every DIY band's pocket for t shirt sales and all that. Yeah. Or uh, you know a small DIY last um you know last line of defense almost and you yeah, gotta keep yeah. these places going absolutely absolutely and it's 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 awesome when bands kind of acknowledge and then go and use them as well because it, i mean i'm sure it must be easy to jump on support slots with bigger with bigger but not easy yeah. but it's you know it could be more sustainable to jump on those and pl- play the the constant o2 absolutely but, but keeping places you know like this alive and that it's it, totally it opens it up for like even more grassroots bands to that's to exactly to the way in. it should be man absolutely absolutely, absolutely. like we we get a lot of really good offers now I mean, the band's on a crazy trajectory at the minute and yeah. you know even last year supporting bands like the bronx and the bouncing yeah. souls over in america twice and you know ending just before christmas in brooklyn uh, and then you come home and you do Bedford on a wet Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. And you go, you know, no, no, yeah, we're not too big for <laughs> yeah, our yeah, boots. Yeah. You know, go it's back a wake to up doing call. the hard Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Back to doing the hard work. Absolutely. So in in terms of you guys coming together then as, as Barstool Preachers, like, how did that happen? Because from what I've read, you it, you moved to, um, to Brighton. Yep. But you weren't living in the UK before any of that happened. No, not at all. So I was, I lived in Canada and then I lived in the Czech Republic. Uh, nice. Just to sort of, you know, look around a bit and see yeah, what was yeah. out there. And then got some, some news where I had to, uh, go back and, and be part of the family. Yeah. And, uh, and help look after someone. So we went back, uh, and did that and didn't think there was anywhere I wanted to live in the UK at the point at the time. I was only, you know, 19 years old or something. Right, right. Had a chip on my shoulder. Uh, and then went to Brighton and met Bungle, who was the bassist, mm. uh, and just fell in love with each other. 
And that right. was it. Within about five minutes, we were best mates. Yeah, yeah. He was like, you're not leaving Brighton until you found a place to stay. Started writing <laughs> some songs around the kitchen table. Uh, found Gibbs. He was at the, the bottom end of a Peter Tosh binge. He was actually <laughs> uh, a reggae and dub DJ at the Brighton Dub Club in the, at the Arts yeah. Centre. And when I moved to Brighton, I was like looking for my people, as you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and when I met him, and again, just like had that, that mutual love straight away. Uh, and then started writing songs. And the first three we wrote were... Uh, one fall down, I think. Yeah. Good news and and own worst enemy or clock out tools down. Something like that. Some of the songs that we still kind of play yeah. and carry today. And we all looked at each other and went, "Yeah, actually, there might be something here. Maybe we should give this a proper go." Because we hadn't been, I hadn't been playing in bands at that point for for years and years. Yeah. My last band before that was a band called the Johns, um, which was actually Steve Burgess from Cox Sparrow, the bassist, his son right, as well. Right. So it was two Sparrow kids. Oh mate, um, together. <laughs> yeah. So and then we kind of just picked up. Everyone else along the way, you know, Alex Hayes, the keyboard player, he's an incredibly um, talented but technically yeah. gifted and, and knowledgeable musician. So he's come on and he sort of transitioned from when we were a, a tiny sort of starting out band with 12 people coming to the shows. He, understandably, wasn't too into it. And then uh, <laughs> as, the, as the band stature kind of progressed and carried on going, he, he jumped in and, and now he's a, a real force in the band, uh, writing-wise and just, you know, level-ship-wise. We've yeah. got... I'm convinced we've got the best drummer um, in the scene at the moment. Wibbs, he's only 22, wow. 23, something like that. And he is... Yeah, he doesn't play like he's only 22. No, we, we've had him since he was a little bit younger now as well. We've had him since he was like 19. And I think I first met him when he was 18, 19. Yeah. And kind of just helped to, to, to push him in a bit of a different direction and, you know, broaden what he was listening yeah, to, yeah. which I think at the time was solely... Uh, Libertines and early Arctic Monkeys. I think okay. it was <laughs> nice to wean him off that Reading and Leeds teat, you know, into yes, some real music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we're, we're currently touring with a guy called Ray from the Zipheads who's playing guitar. Obviously, we've got Gibbsy Goose on the other guitar. Um, yeah. So yeah, kind of pieced everyone together as as we went. But this is definitely the the final sort of you know, final kind of, line. Yeah, 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 nice. It's yeah, it, it it's as far as uh, I mean, it's and it's it's a raw punk band. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got influences from all over the place, and to to me, and I feel free to correct me, but. My ears, you, you kind of sound like the like a a British version or British answer to the Operation Ivy, Rancid, that sort of thing. So because you've got your your sort of core punk route, yeah. Uh, but then all of a sudden you'll chuck a load of scar sort of stuff in, absolutely. And they'll, you know, loving the Hammond that comes through every yeah, now and then, man, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, and this you've got songs with the brass section coming in, and yep. so it kind of has that that punk route, <laughs> but then just branching out to every kind of break-off genre of punk as totally. well. Totally. I mean, for us, it's, it's more about providing a platform for people to say and do sort of positive things. So mm. sometimes when you feed a dog medicine, you know you need to put it in peanut butter. So like, we make the fans <laughs> have, a, have a good old dance and enjoy their lives yeah. and then uh, and then tell them that the world's fucked. Yes. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and let, make sure everyone's on the same page, uh, you know, socio-politically as well as yeah. just having a good time in a sweaty dance club. Absolutely, and I, I kind of had, had a similar conversation with um, Sam Duckworth from Get Cape Working. Oh, yeah. Just you can't not dance to his music, absolutely, in any way, and that potentially catches people's ears first. 
Totally. And then they'll spend a while, and then they'll listen and hear the messages. And that, what a lovely way to to sort of break that into people. I love absolutely, it. absolutely. Like our our influences are definitely bands like the Clash, bands like the Specials. Yeah, you know. But we also grew up listening to Wu Tang Clan and, yeah, and yeah. Public Enemy, and you know, like they're all roots of the same, all branches. Sorry, of the same tree. And you know, it's, stories. Yeah, That's absolutely. Kind of the big thing, isn't stories it? and giving a voice to people that that currently, uh, you know, are not heard and not represented in in the climate, in the especially in the political climate at the moment. Yeah. You know, there's never been a more important time for for young punk bands, you know, to come through and actually fucking turn around. And, and it doesn't have to be so shock and awe nowadays. It can be inclusion. It can be family. Yeah. You know, just to stop and go. This is all fucking wrong. You know, how are you abusing this much of our natural resources? How are you abusing this much of our people's good nature mm. just to line your pockets? And I think punk needs to be, and is, but needs to be, right on the forefront of that of that you know, yeah. rebellion, of that revolution. I guess it historically has, and that kind of seemed to drop off for a bit. Yeah. There's sort of a period of sort of 10 years where the messages weren't necessarily there. They were. But they do seem to be coming. And maybe I was just looking at, <coughs> I mean, I definitely was mostly being fed sort of MTV2 and all of the, the you and know. You get the discos yeah, and my just, chemical romances. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and then, but then, I guess if you still dig around, it's still there. there, there yeah, there was. I mean, I, I think you're totally right. It did get swept under the rug a bit. And I think that, that really gave us an edge coming of age, mm. you know, to, to go, Actually, where the fuck has this been? Yeah. Where's the message? Where's the inclusion? Where's the togetherness? Where's the, you know, the social awareness? And, and when bands like that, and the arguably great musicians, you know, yeah, some, yeah. some oh, of yeah. the songs that they wrote at the time were, were brilliant, but, you know, didn't really have any substance. And that gave bands like us a, a real edge to put into punk rock. Yeah. Something that other people weren't, um, you know, and something we really felt needed to be there. Yeah, I guess. I guess when there's a when you identify that there's potentially a lack of messages that are coming through of what you want to talk about, mm-hmm. you're not trying to push your way into a saturated market. There, you've really got like an open book to, to yeah. do what you want, and it can Absolutely. be real personal. Then, Absolutely, I think a lot of the problem is people think that you you know you say the scar word and people run a mile, and you say scar punk, and they and they look over their shoulder and run even further. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things where you go. Actually, let's not do let's not do pigeonholes. Let's not do genres. Yeah, yeah. Let's not do boxes. We play yeah. mostly rock and roll, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. You know, rock and roll, loads of punk in it, loads of downstroke scar, and, and we love a reggae break. But yeah. for us, it's much more. Who needs a smile? Yeah. You know, who needs to come into an embrace that is warm and is loving and is good fun, and everyone gets on, and there's no no space or tolerance for dickheads and hatred like that. To us, is so much more needed than fucking NME or Q or Mojo turned around saying, this is what we should be listening to. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I guess now, that for all of its many, many downfalls, the internet is a, an absolute godsend for people who want to go independent and, and kind of get their own message out there without the need of, you know, like you say, big press. Definitely. I mean, I think the, the beauty and the curse of the internet is that everyone can be a writer, everyone can be a yeah. producer, everyone can be an engineer. <clears throat> I must know, if I went through my phone book now, you know, and there's all 30 people on there, I think 25 of them would be producers. You know, yes, yeah, yeah. In some way or another. And nowadays, but producers have stopped calling themselves producers. They call themselves, you know, engineers again, yeah, because yeah. the technical skill they have outweighs the the ability to put an effect on, on Garage Band <laughs> or Logic 10. Yeah. Um, I do think, however, it should never ever be limited. I think if you know if you want to create and you want to write yeah. and you know, you want to get yourself heard, then I think it can be a, a brilliant way of starting. Yeah. Um, I do feel though that a lot of bands 
especially, you know, people that stare at their shoes during a whole set, they, they feel that putting a song out is the same as, as touring a song. Mm. And it's not. You, you know, there's a, there's a massive difference between giving someone a message passively and giving someone a message actively. Yeah, you know, absolutely. like that's that's a completely different thing that a lot of young bands don't don't get either. You know, you yeah. need to go out and tour 100, 150 days a year like we've done. You need to earn your stripes. You need to know and understand that you come to a place like Halifax or Leeds, and these are rooted working class towns. Yeah. You know, you need to understand where these people are coming from. They're not, it's not the same as going to London, you know, it's not the same as playing in front of people that can afford semi-detached houses by the time of whatever. It's, yeah. you know, you have to know the people in the country that you're trying to help as well, you know, or world that you're trying to help. Yeah. yeah it can be a bit, uh, be a bit of uh, trying, I think. Absolutely. And it's, I guess, like you say, it's getting out there, be going face to face, seeing the people that you know that you you're getting your message across to, mm. and that you know seeing them dancing, seeing them singing back to you, or just seeing them discover you for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's no replacement for that, and no amount of Spotify streams is is going to kind of have that same impact. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I think that is lost on a lot of a lot of up kind of new people that would just chuck stuff on the internet. Yeah. I love the fact that I can go on the internet and discover somebody that I, there's no chance I would have discovered, totally. you know, 20 years ago. Um, but also it's, I mean, like, like I say, the fact that you're back around here, like second time within six months it is absolutely amazing. And that's not potentially possible for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and becoming even harder now for people to go into Europe. Absolutely. Which is, yeah. An absolute devastating state of affairs. Awful. Absolutely dreadful. But it, we let the fascist elite who run this country hoodwink and lie to the British people yeah. again. Not even subtly. No, no not, not subtly straight at all. Up. And I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm angry at people that are racist and are bigoted towards the whole state of affairs, but I'm not angry at people that voted for Brexit. You know, a lot yeah. of the time they thought they were doing the right thing. I'm, I'm, I'm angry at the, that these people now won't listen to reason. Yeah. You know, cause you can't double down on pride <laughs> and expect to look good at it. You know, yeah. they're the top economists in the country are coming out and saying that categorically it will be worse for us. Yeah. And I love my country. I love Great Britain. Mm. And I'm very, very proud to be British uh, and to be where I'm from, to be from East London. And it makes me sad and it makes me conflicted and feel guilty when the places that I love and the places that I'm from just propagate hatred yeah. you know and divisiveness between people because really there, there's no way you're going to make things better by, by no, you know, spreading lies and hatred against your Muslim neighbour or getting people that work so hard in this country for the Windrush generation deported it's, yeah. it's <laughs> so awful it's an, yeah it's an absolute joke that how it's happened the fact that it's happened so blatantly mm-hmm. so blatantly corruptly yeah. is I don't, it, I'm literally lost for words for it. You, you try and try and put it into some form of reasonable, like understanding of mm. how how do people even come up with the ideas for their for their slogans Mate. for their campaigns, and and people not only go that's totally fucked, but go no oh, yeah yeah good idea let's run with that yeah but absolutely. It's, it's well, not. It's not we just were talking here, about but, it in in the van yesterday. We were saying that you don't have to say things that are true anymore. We live in a post-factual <laughs> society. And people, even if it's like, you know, we've all got that auntie who goes on Facebook and share, yeah, <laughs> shares yeah. the post or whatever. Yes. And it's like, it's again, it's not being angry at these people. It's trying to understand and empathise both sides of the argument. And the thing for us we were saying is, even if it's not true, yeah. that person has a line of defence of, well, it could be. 
or, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if it was, it would be awful. And you can't argue with them because you go, no. well, yeah, it fucking would be awful if 750 million people moved into the yeah. UK immediately overnight. Yeah, that would be really bad. And yeah, okay, that would fuck the country yeah. up. But it's just not a viable fucking no. thing that's going to happen. What are you thinking about? Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, there's... <coughs> you say you, you can't argue with facts, but it's gone beyond that. You don't need facts to... It's post-truth. Oh, yeah. It's post-truth. I'm, it's a particularly sad time. I've got a lot of friends who, um, who are working in the music industry that are touring and just seeing how much more difficult their lives are becoming. Yeah. Something that they've, they've, and I'm sure you can relate, something that they've worked so hard to do yeah. is extra blocks are being put in that, yeah. in, in their way. And when people are trying to create stuff and to try and, you know, add something to the world, it, it shouldn't be that hard. No. And it doesn't make any sense. And, it, it doesn't, but I mean, unfortunately, it's often the people that are trying to do something and trying to create something and working very hard for it that are the, the butt of all the jokes. You know, yeah. they'll either get overly taxed or, you know, they get zero hour contracts where they have to pull in 60 to 70 hours a week to feed a family or two. Yeah. Or, you know, get their, their benefits slashed and told to go on universal credit and they have to substantiate a certain amount of hours working and, you know, things like the disability benefit being totally, totally slashed and almost obliterated. You know, it's, it's not, that's not for me. That's not a fair representation of the people of the UK. No, you know, and no, that's definitely not, not how they deserve to be treated. No, absolutely not. And it, I think leading up to leading up to the, the latest election, it, it kind of highlighted how much of a bubble I live in mm. because I was shocked at the result. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it crushed Alex Hay, a keyboard player. He's still not come back from it. No. He's, he's still living in a bit of a nihilistic state at the moment. He's not prepared to to keep going again. And I understand why. I mean, he's. he's put everything he was into that campaign and then you know when it when it didn't work mm. a lot of people um a lot of people were, were very disheartened i it's hard isn't it because all your information now invariably either comes from a right-wing mainstream newspaper an unchecked source secondary source normally off the yeah. internet or your own private echo chamber on your social yeah. medias and what 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 do you expect to get out of that you know, it, how do you, how do you expect? And that's why there is so much, or one of the reasons I should say that why there's so much anger and so much vitriol against things like immigrants. Mm. You know, when it's, it's not their fault, but that's because people are, are being validated in their hatred. You know, they say something yeah. online and they've got a hundred likes and comments going, yeah, you're totally right there. You know, absolutely. It is this person's fault. And yeah. all of a sudden you've got this, I can't remember what the, the, the word for it is. And Alex will know because he's much smarter than I am. But when you, you get things validated by other people that share the same bullshit point, yeah. you, all without grounding in truth, you know, it's, it's the blind leading the blind. In absolutely. I think summed it up was, uh, a, one of those a Facebook meme showing um, Schrodinger's immigrant that's mm. uh, simultaneously yeah. stealing your job and also stealing your benefits. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Can pick one. <laughs> it's not. It's physically. It's it not possible. Exist Come in on. Both ways. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. So how in in terms of you guys, like you said, you you sort of kicked off in a big way in America. Yeah. Um. We, well done. That's absolutely awesome. I imagine you're having a, an absolute blast going are, over there. We are. We're really glad we can keep touring the UK because America is just tempting us over. Yeah, yeah. Like Please some, do yeah, keep coming just, back. We will. We <laughs> definitely will. We love our country. It seems to be seems to be the way. I had a chat with um, 
with uh, Jethro from um, Buster Shuffle. Yeah, Jet. And these, uh, yeah, and they kind of in a, in a similar sort of state that they're they're absolutely kicking off over in America, and he's, they're about to go on their first headline tour of the UK <laughs> in, in ten years. Wow, um, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, that yeah. yeah, we we just try and um, <laughs> it's like they, life keeps saying you got to keep sacrificing to go big in, in music, and we're just like, what do you want? <laughs> we started poor we're still poor yeah. you know we, we were all doing minimum wage jobs we're still doing minimum wage jobs yeah. like you know it's it's nothing we're not we're not sacrificing anything apart from time at home with our loving sporting partners you know I think we're just very grateful for the opportunity to be able to bring our message globally now yeah. you know we're, we're really lucky the bands like the Interrupters I mean mm-hmm. they're going to quit it now at the Street Dogs and uh, bands like the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones all took us under their wing, um, you know, and they they really opened up the doors in America for us. And we, I think we've done eight American tours. Wow. It will, will have been eight American tours in in two years, <laughs> something like that. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's really. I mean, just to be able to to be able to stay at a, an even kilter, you yeah, know, yeah. not be massively in debt is is a real a real strong and positive thing. You know, Absolutely. like, but also now we're at the, the point where we're kind of established and we do headline tours probably twice a year around the UK yeah. and probably twice a year around Europe now. And between those three big territories, it's, mm. it's, it keeps us busy. Good, good. So how, how does it, how does things change for you in terms of touring Europe then with the other, I think you're the first band that I've spoken to since Brexit. Mm-hmm. So how, how has that kind of changed your way of thinking, I guess? Well, we're all learning, um, as new information comes out, we're all learning together. You know, like last week, it was it was touted that it's going to cost two hundred and fifty quid to get a visa that will yeah. last you across the whole of the Schengen block, and you only have to do your carnet when you go in France, and then you won't. You have to show that it's proven that you haven't bought anything else. But then once you go all the way through, you're fine. But we've also heard stories of, you know, we'll, you will be stopped at every border, and right. you will have every CD checked. And I guess it's which official is on duty at that yeah, point, yeah, and how yeah. slighted they feel by the yeah. UK's actions. Um, might come down to how much time that actually takes them to do as well. Yeah. Maybe, you know, fuck this. Let's yeah. let people through. Maybe, maybe. I mean, the good thing about bureaucracy is complacency always falls in yeah. some, some time, you know. But yeah, we, we don't know. It's certainly going to be harder. It's certainly going to be more expensive. It's certainly going to take longer. Um, but you know, they can keep fucking throwing up hurdles and we'll keep jumping over them, you know. Good. It's, it's, you got to. Yeah. You got to. We were talking about it and one of the other things it might well do is is bring back a lot of trade to, to B towns. You know, like yeah, if yeah. you go to when you tour Europe invariably now you go Paris, Berlin, mm. Amsterdam, Vienna, Munich, you know, Prague. Yeah. All of the main the main ones, and even if you do Cologne and Hamburg and all the rest of the ones, you know, you're still invariably hitting A towns. Yeah, yeah. If you know you've got a six hour journey over the border and it took you a day to get into France maybe you play Nantes and Lille and, you know, <laughs> as well as playing all the others. So no one really knows. And like Brexit, no one really knows how it's going to play yeah. out. We know it's going to be worse. Um, but they've already proven to us that we're not in a position to change any power. Now, if you want to talk to me about what I would do in, in the wider sense of it, I mean, bring out the guillotine. Like, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's take a billion pounds of the top five. Yeah to 10 richest families and companies in, in the UK. And there'll be people listening to this going, the fucking, uh, that's horrifically communist and that's, you know, that's awful. But, uh, you know, we've seen in, in first hand, we've seen in real life the poverty 
that our governments, and I say governments because you may feel that you're apart from Europe, but you're not. Mm. Yeah, we've seen it in Berlin. We've seen yeah, it in yeah. Paris. We've seen it in Prague. We've seen it in America. Yeah. We've seen it in the Currently UK. seeing it in America. Oh, uh, you so. know, like, it's, it's the whole world over. And if you think that any of these people in power are closer to you than your immigrant neighbour or your German counterpart, then you are so deluded that you need to come to a Barstool Preacher show to get your head checked. Nice. Absolutely. I'd, I'd second that. I'd second that. <laughs> and, and have a good dance as well. That's it. Absolutely. Peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth or crunchy? Crunchy. Crunchy. Okay, good. More texture. <laughs> Excellent. So, what's coming up next then? So, we're working on an album. Currently working out which label to put it on, but we've got some wonderful labels that are interested and part involved. And we've recorded some songs with Tim Armstrong recently. Oh, there's the rancid and Operation there Ivy you go. He, He's a big fan of the band, Good. so we started working together a little bit. Uh, we're also working with a guy called Ted Hutt, right. who is the producer for Dropkick Murphys and Flogging Molly and Excellent. all those guys over in the States. So, talking to him, uh, we've got a big old month long tour of America in May. Punk rock bowling included. Awesome. Is that Vegas? That's Vegas. Lovely. Ooh, flashbacks. <laughs> Don't ask. No, no, <laughs> you, you can't. Gibbs' wife will kill me. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sure she's an avid listener. No, <laughs> you never know. You never know. They keep tabs. Um, uh, what else we've got coming up? We've got a big old tour of Europe in July, three and a half weeks. And then we've got Rebellion Festival, yeah, Outsider yeah. Festival, which is a great cider festival down uh, down yeah, south. Yeah. I think uh, Random Hand on that. Yeah, I think yeah, they might local be. Boys. Yeah, 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 they're good lads. Big shout out to Joe Tilston. Yes, I love him in every way I can possibly get him. He's brilliant. <laughs> um, it's going to be a busy year. Good. We're not sure how the second half of the year looks at the moment because... We just, we don't know what's going to come in. We don't know what tour supports we're going to get offered. Yeah. And we, we always say, right, that's it. That's all the dates in the calendar. hundred. Well done. <laughs> and then, you know, Bronx come in or Bounce yeah, Souls yeah. come in or Interruptors come in. You go, well, yeah. let's get, add 50 more dates onto the calendar, lads. So hopefully one of those will come in again yeah. for this year. It's a nice problem to have. Like, it's a lovely it? problem to have. Absolutely. Um, what else? We are going to tour the UK again. So, Probably by the time this goes out, we'll yeah. have just finished uh, another two yeah. a bit weeks around the UK. Uh, and then in September, we're going to be coming out and we're doing our biggest ever headline show in September. That's in Nottingham at the yeah. Rescue Rooms. Oh, nice. So we yeah. would really love if all of our Midlands family, you know, whether it be from East or West Midlands, just come out and, and show us some love on that day because we'd love to, you know, we'd love to do something yeah. big there. That, that would be great. If we can pull in four or 500 people, we'll, we'll be chuffed with that. So yeah, big things coming up. I mean, we're, we're playing some cards close to our chest. Okay, yeah. Just yeah. because we have to not speak about it. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Surprises but, yeah. to come. That's it. That's it. But we'll see how it all goes. You know, we're, we're loving playing in front of the people we're playing in front of. We're loving making music as a band still. We love playing with each other. We love that sounded great. We love <laughs> writing together and, and touring, seeing the country and stuff like that. So whatever happens, we're, we're happy. And whatever happens, we'll keep moving forward. It is hard because the punk scene is on its ass a little bit in the UK. Yeah. But there are other young, up and coming bands really, really giving it a go. You know, Risky and the Ridicule. Yeah. Hang yeah. out with those guys the other night. Yeah. They're Pucker. Call Me Malcolm. Yeah. Nosebleed. You know, there, there are some bands coming out that, that are writing better music than has been seen for, for years. So let's hope there's, uh, there's some life in the old dog yet. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you very much for thank taking you for the time. Thank you having me, Lucy. I appreciate cheers, it. Uh, cheers for coming back to Yorkshire and uh, see you again soon. All right, mate. Thank cheers. you very much. So there you go. That was episode 41 with Tom from the Barstool Preachers. I hope you enjoyed that. 
Um, if you haven't already, then check out previous episodes um, with Josh from The Skints, uh, Jet and Carl from Buster Shuffle, uh, and, and Charles Palmer Williams from Lightyear. Uh, these might also be of interest to you. Um, as always, I've added a few tracks to the WIY podcast playlist on Spotify. Um, and if you enjoyed that episode, head to the Barstool Preachers website um, and their social media where you can purchase merch of, of all types there. I mean, especially at this time, when bands aren't able to, to play live in the same way that they, they would do, uh, any support that you, you can afford, I'm sure, would be massively appreciated. Um, so that's all from me. Thank you very much for listening. Please, please, if you enjoyed that, share the word. Um, get other people to have a listen as well. Um, give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, and Spotify for the for the, for the podcasts and the, and the playlist. Um, yeah, so enjoy whatever else you're going to do with the rest of your day. And good night.